The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. All right, some of you have seen this exercise I'm about to do, but I just want to frame it this way, but it's participatory, so fire away. If we were the only Christians in North Carolina, we're it. No other churches, no other Christians. Like, we are it. There's 35 people, 30 people in here. Like, we're it, by God's grace. And He's called us to reach 11 million people in this state for the sake of the gospel. No other churches, no other Christians. We're it. What are we going to do? Pray. <laughs> that, that, that sounded a little desperate. <laughs> I think that's the exact way we should answer that. Pray. We're going to pray. Help me. Yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> We're going to pray. We're going to pray desperately. We're going to pray and we're going to pray desperately. What, what else are we going to do? Yeah, that's a great... We're going to build bridges. Build relationships, bridges. Uh, <laughs> hey, we might. Depends on the context. Who knows? <laughs> we might. Yeah. We're going to pray. We're going to build bridges, build relationships with folks. What else are we going to do? Got some relationships growing now. By the way, real quick, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? What are some ways we might do that? Let's just talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, why don't you come over and eat? Yeah, let's go play some golf. It's a great way to build bridges. <laughs> There's a buddy of ours in Greensboro here. They host soccer camps. And uh, the kids are out playing soccer, and that's what they did. They just sent some of their people out in the crowd to just talk with people. And they ended up organizing an adult wiffle ball game out of the parents while the kids were going. And they, the, parent, the parents had the best time. They ended up leading a guy to Christ right after the wiffle ball game and just, just listening to them, getting to know the kids, talking to them. It was like, hey, let's, how do we serve them? That's a, that's a great way to serve. What else? Any, one, one more way. Just one more. Yes, sir. I, I just think having the uh, spiritual antenna ready to speak. I mean, we just uh, baptized a, a guy at our church and, I, I met him at, uh, uh, we were having, I was at a chiropractor and he was at the same place and we, had, we were listening to this little thing and he was walking out and I said, hey, we've got a, a dinner at a church tonight and I do anything like when you come over and he came over and, yeah, Lord, yeah. spiritual now, antenna. It, it, there's <laughs> 95% of the chances are going to be more like that than the ones of special things we've got in the church. It's, it's yeah. just being ready. And I mean, I'm not always ready myself. Sometimes sure. I'm reading a comic book or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But just being ready and let, let the spirit lead. Yeah, that's great. All right, we're building relationships, building some bridges, got some relationships going. What do we do? What else are we going to do? We're going gospel, folks. That's exactly right. I'm going to turn this into a verb here. We're going gospel, folks. Um, how did Jesus gospel, folks, in the gospels? Uh, I had it. I, I, yeah, he asked questions. It was really good. Uh, intentional? Very intentional. Very intentional. An Indian pastor said one time, why, why in America do you bust up the gospel uh, in ways that Jesus never did? And he was like, what are you talking about? Well, you got mainline traditions that are all about the gospel and works. You got evangelical uh, traditions that are all about the gospel and word. And you got Pentecostal traditions. Uh, all about the gospel and wonders. Why you bust those things up? Where do you see Jesus busting those up? Y'all do it too. You know? 
Have you ever seen anything that there's no explanation up for if, other than God? The word is crucial. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. But don't let your enlightenment education over the last 500 years block you from the power of God. That's the elementary principles, George, I think we're talking about earlier. How that's manifested the last 500 years in a Western tradition. The enlightenment education that, that flew, flowed out of the flu, flowed, flown. came from the enlightenment (laughs) that says there's no such thing as the supernatural. The only thing that's real is what you can see, taste, touch, feel, and smell. And whereas in most cultures, they recognize that the world was charged, so to speak, and that we were susceptible to things outside of us. What the enlightenment said was, was, nope, let's close the frame, box it in, and then fill in all our holes. So now we're completely insulated. And what most historians and philosophers are saying is we've reached the end of that because people are asking, there's got to be something more than this. Because all the solutions the world has provided for answers to the big questions and all the things I've been searching for satisfaction in, it ain't working. But it's also why Christians struggle with prayer and doubt because... We, we live in the same space here as the, the, the people asking the questions like, man, is there something more than this? Just, just last night on TV, I heard an atheist scientist saying, talking about the Big Bang. And he said, where did the stuff that was in the Big Bang come from? And he said, it's like the whole universe all of a sudden just, boom, yeah. existed. And he said, how does that work? It's <laughs> a great question. It's a great question. <laughs> That's great, though, you know. I mean, this is what people are asking the questions. So we're going to pray desperately. And these aren't necessarily linear. This is an environment. That's why I'm putting bullet points instead of numbers here. Uh, by God's grace, we see people come to faith. What are we going to do? What else are we going to do? Yes. That's exactly right. We're, yeah, we're going to disciple... Call it disciple the fruit. Yeah, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. That's what the Great Commission says. Not just teaching them all that I've commanded, but teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. That's really different than just teaching them. So different. All right, so this is if we're discipling them, we're discipling them to Christ, into Christ, and discipling them into the work. So. 2 becomes 4, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256. My math is done after that one. I don't know what's next. What are we going to do, though, as numbers begin to grow? What are we going to do? Are we done here? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not. You can't keep 10 million people or whatever you just said in one group because you're not going to grow. So you got to multiply. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're going to engage new people in new places. You guys are picking up on it. Multiply leaders and work and the work. Is there something right here in between here, though, that you see? It might be beneficial. Yeah, we're going to gather.
We're going we're gonna to gather into local churches. Don't think form. Think function. Immediately when we said that, when, I, when, when, when Cody said gather, and we said we're going to gather in local churches, what was the first thing you thought of? What's that? Sunday, maybe a building, something like that. Don't think function. I mean, don't think form. Think function. We're going to pray desperately. We're going to build relationships, build bridges. We're going to gospel people and word works and wonders. We're going to disciple the fruit. We're going to gather. And then we're going to multiply the work because we're in Greensboro. And Lord knows Raleigh needs churches and Christians. And Charlotte and Bahoski and Jacksonville, right? So we're going to, we're going to multiply leaders and the work. So I've done this about 100 times across the state, and everybody comes up with these answers. Everybody does. So what's that tell us about the hearts of God's people? The desire is there. Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's telling us all the same thing. This is in the hearts of God's people. Um, so let's go to Mark chapter 4 and see if we're anywhere in the ballpark of what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is light. Let's change colors here. Mark chapter 4. I love Mark. He quick and to the point. He tells you in one verse what he, what he thinks. Jesus is the Son of God. And then he spends the rest of his gospel undergirding that statement. From stories from the Old Testament, uh, anecdotal evidence, uh, eyewitness testimony. He, uh, he undergirds that one statement. That's all he tells you. But that's like basically all he says he thinks. This is Jesus, Son of God. Now what you going to do with him? <laughs> That's a good evangelist. What are you going to do with him? Um, but Mark chapter 4, uh, you see Jesus starting to teach, and he says that, uh, at the very beginning of that chapter, he says there's a parable that is uh, the parable of all parables. If you don't get this teaching, you're not going to understand anything I do or anything else I say. And he says it's like a sower sowing seed, and it's going to land on four soils. Rocky soil, uh, land on the path. It's going to land on... Uh, and the bird's going to snatch it, going to get off in the weeds and the, and, the, and the thorns, or it's going to get on good soil. He says, if you don't understand that, you're not going to understand anything else I say. That's the one he interprets for the disciples. But then he flows down, uh, drop down to verse 26. And somebody read out loud, 26 to 29, what Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man shall cast seed onto the ground. He shall sleep and rise night and day, and seed shall break forth, shall spring and grow, grow up, and knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corner of the ear. And when the fruit is, is brought forth, immediately you put it forth in a sickle because the harvest is cut. Yeah, this is great. So you hear that? Jesus said, This is what the kingdom is like. So my ears are perked up because Jesus said, This is what. This is what the kingdom of God is like. So what's he say? Kingdom of God is like. What's the first thing he says? Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Okay. All right. Then what's next? My favorite part of the whole story. It goes to sleep. I can't wait to get home tonight. There's just something about sleeping in your own bed, you know. My granddaddy used to always say, uh, my dad's name was James, but Grant, uh, Papa Reed called him Jimmy. He said, Jimmy. I love going on these trips, but ain't nothing like coming home. You know. What's next? What's what's uh what's Jesus say? The kingdom's like. Seed sprouts and grows. Okay, and when the seed begins to sprout and grow, what's a farmer do with that growth? 
What's that? Nurtures waters. Nurtures waters. Yeah, gives it food. I got I got six kids, so I started I started growing food in my backyard, try to feed them something good. And uh, in Raleigh, we got a bunch of groundhogs and deer that just and apparently deer that like really spicy peppers. I grow Carolina Reapers and habaneros, and them deer are just killing me this year. I was like, man. If you need help in eliminating that problem, we can get together. Yes, brother. Let's talk afterwards. <laughs> I'm trying to do kung fu on a groundhog out there. Um, but, what, but yeah, a, a farmer begins to tend this growth. Got to tend the growth. Care for the growth. Careful what? And then what's Jesus say? How's, it, how's, he say? how's he wrap this story up? The kingdom's like. Yeah, time to stick the, it's time to stick the sickle in because it's time to harvest. Now, I don't think when Jesus is given farming analogies that he's ignorant of the rest of the cycle since he made like the sun and the rain and the ground. So all this is in the collective conscience. So a farmer wakes up one morning. He doesn't have a field. He doesn't have land. He's hungry. He knows he needs to eat. knows he needs to feed his uh, family. What's the first thing a farmer's going to do? Got to get a field. That's right. Got to find some land. Got to get some land. And then what? You're going to till it up. Prepare the soil. Till it up. And every good farmer knows where does next year's seeds come from? This year's harvest. Jesus said this is what the kingdom's like. Now y'all probably realized this when you first walked in. I ain't the smartest man in the world. But this looks eerily similar to one another. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like farming. The core missionary task of the church is like farming. Now, what has been your primary experience of Christianity? In, in these categories right here, what's been your primary experience? Yeah, let's, let's talk through this. Okay, some pickers, some, some y'all just come on. I had one guy say, man, we, we jump from here to here. Build relationships, come to church. What, what's been, what else has been your experience? Interact with this a little bit. Walk by faith, not by sight. The farmer's got to go to bed. He's trusting that there's going to be some rain somewhere down there. Yeah. The sun's going to come up. Yeah. Yeah, it's my fa- I mean, it's really, I really think this is the key of the whole story. And you just nailed it. The key to doing this work is trusting that God's in the work. The key to growing food... It's to trust that the, the earth is going to produce it. You can't go out there. If I go out there, when that growth starts coming up, and I yank up them roots, be like, oh, man, is it growing? Stick it back into the ground. It ain't going to work. You know? I, think, I think you just nailed the, the key to the whole story. It, is God in this work? How much control do we have over this? What can we control, though? If we tried to manufacture this, what would we do? But if we were trying to manufacture kingdom growth, what would we do? Discuss it for about a year. Write books about it. Send it to a committee. Ultimately, produce false conduct. Okay, and this is really dangerous. This is really dangerous. Anybody know John 17, high priestly prayer? 
Man, I would highly recommend it. If you were going to put a, a passage deep in your heart, John gives us a picture of the Son of God and God the Father communing together. I mean... So if you'll flip there. Somebody read the first five verses. Jesus spoke these things and He lifted up His eyes to heaven and He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You even as You gave Him authority over all flesh that to all whom You have given Him He may give eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know You the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So when you hear about the work of Christ, what's the first thing you think of? His crucifixion, absolutely. It is finished. Praise God. But did you pick up on what John read in verse 4? This is pre-cross. And he says, I have accomplished, past tense, the work that you gave me. What in the world is Jesus talking about? If this is pre-cross, what's the work that he's talking about? Did Jesus pray? Jesus build relationships? Jesus gospel? Did he gospel folks? Jesus disciple the fruit? Jesus gather them into churches? Uh, let's put an asterisk here. Did Jesus multiply leaders in the work? You know how good disciple you know how you know when good discipleship takes root? When your disciples do the same thing. Did the apostles and disciples in Acts pray? The whole room shook when they prayed. I want to get in, I want to get in on that prayer meeting. They build relationships. They gospel people. Word works and wonders. They disciple the fruit. Did they gather in the local churches? Yeah. Did they multiply leaders in the work? That's good discipleship. By the way, Paul uses this same phrase at the end of Acts 14. The Holy Spirit, they're praying and fasting. The Holy Spirit sends them out from Antioch, commissioned for the work, and it says when he reports back and at the end of 14, he says we've fulfilled, past tense, the work we were sent out by the Holy Spirit to do. What work are they talking about? Was everybody saved in those areas? No. What work were they talking about? So here's the question. What was different with Jesus and the disciples right here? Yeah. So you remember we kind of had a hiccup. Did Jesus gather people in the local churches? Why not? What's that? People Church hadn't been purchased. And second, on the flip side of that coin, church hadn't been purchased and the church hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. So who's the church? It's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit commissioned to do the work. It's not every warm body that gathers in a space. The church is people who were purchased by Christ and filled with the Spirit 
And here's the key, Acts 1.1. This is the crucial piece here. Luke says, O Theophilus, I wrote you the first book to begin to tell you all that Jesus, here's the word, began to say and do. Now what does that imply is about to come forth after that? He's got some more work he's about to do. How? By the power of the Spirit through who he's about to fill. This is the big difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. This is why we're not covenant theologians. Amen? There's a discontinuity. There's a lot of continuity, but there's a discontinuity that happens at Pentecost, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes and fills believers. He doesn't just move upon them. He fills us to do what? All that Jesus began to do and teach. Come on now. Come on. We tracking here. Like this is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship. You know what the word fellowship means? Koinonia. It's translated 20 times in the New Testament. By the way, it's only used in the uh, Greek New Old Testament a handful of times and it's always negative and never in partnership with God and humans, ever. In the New Testament, it's translated 20 times. It's contribution. Uh, uh, um, Romans 15, Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to contribute to Koinonia, to the, to the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. Hebrews 13, 16, where he talks about he always remember to do good and to koinonia with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Um, Philippians 1, 5, of all the churches in the area, you guys koinonia with me in the advancement of the gospel more than anyone else. Uh, in Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the koinonia, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now, what does koinonia mean? It, it involves a shared participation, sacrificial participation in a common life. It's the fellowship, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. So, sorry about that 30-minute diatribe there. But let's do this. Because what I want to show you is kind of where we see in glimpses of this across the state. That ain't sticking worth nothing. This ain't sticky. How's that going to stick? Stay. Stay. All right. This is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So where's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit at work across North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to give you, I want to give you some examples, and then we can, we, can, we can work on any tools or talk about anything you want to talk about at that point. So uh, one of the things we're starting to see a little more is a connection between prayer meetings and the mission. What has your primary experience of prayer meetings been like? Okay, sick list. And that ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But if it's only that, and if this is the core missionary task of the church, we're trying to do something without any power. I see some... I see some uh, come, come back at me here. Come back at me here. When the, when the body of Christ comes together, think Acts 4. They're just persecuted for participating in the mission. And they're persecuted. They come together. And what happens? They pray. And what do they pray for? Boldness. And more power. To do what? So, um, 
There's some guys in Boone that take Tuesdays from 11 to 1, and this is what they're praying for. As a local church and as an association, they've targeted some pockets of lostness in their area, and they're praying for these areas, and they're praying for uh, a couple of things, mainly renewal in the church or churches, revival in their area, and awakening across western North Carolina. Spiritual awakening across western North Carolina. And that's, what that, that's it. That's all that prayer meeting is, is, is meant to be about right there. Two hours. Praying for those things. Connect, and then, while they're trying to do this work right here. You see that? So what's the connection between that prayer meeting and what they're trying to do? Everything to God. <laughs> yeah. It's connected. It's connecting dots. And guess what? Guess what happens in those prayer meetings? You probably have people in your church, they may be a little strange, who love to pray. And that's where their primary gift is. And so they get into these spaces and they pray a little bolder. And, and, and the scriptures start flowing at that point. This is how the Holy Spirit manifests his gifts in the church. You've experienced this. I know you, I know you have in China. And so when the prayer meeting and the mission are connected, watch out. (laughs) That's all I can say. Watch out. Because you're going to lose control. And not in a bad way. I'm not saying like lose control. (laughs) Watch out. Any other thoughts or questions about about that? About that? One of the books I'm going to give away is called Old Past, New Power. And it's, it's this, it's this. It's Acts 6, 4, Prayer and Ministry of the Word. And he talks about reconfiguring the spaces, prayer spaces, to go after the mission, to go near, to commune with God, and, and, and in that communion then be sent out on the mission. Old past, new power. If you don't win it, go get it. Call me. I might have a few extras. I don't care. I give, I give away whatever I got. <laughs> All right. Building relationships, building bridges. Um, what are some stories we've seen across the, the state here where we're seeing some neat things happen? Um, anybody have any you want to share where you've really made an inroad with your community, built some good relationships? Some, I mean, we've we shared a couple already, but is there anyone particular in your particular church that you'd like to share that real quick? Yes, sir. Um, our church, the guy across the street, literally I could throw a baseball from the pulpit to his house. Um, he... He, he told somebody that hey, like, I love, I love my yard, but I can't, I can't rake my leaves this, this spring because my legs infected. He ended up losing his leg. We went over to his house. We, we took 18 people over there. We raked all of his leaves in his front yard. It took two hours to do that. Yeah. And we had people just hanging out, talking to him and his wife. They were seriously stunned. They were like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> um, because we just want to rake the leaves. And um, we went and saw him in the hospital. People went and saw him in rehab. We took him food. Uh, he started saying, hey, we're, I, I want to come visit. So that they come over. He, he drove his, uh, his uh, scooter over. They came in. They come for a couple weeks. They like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I read the Bible with you? <laughs> and then probably a month in, he, he professed faith in Christ. Oh, yeah. Been coming. We've been reading the Bible every week since yeah. March. Yeah. Lived across the street. Yeah. 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 Man, praise God. Thank you, Cody. 
Um, so th- this is a way to build bridges, build bridges, meeting needs, just meeting some, seeing need, meeting need. I, I would suggest that everybody go back to their association and pray for a group of people who wrote this. This is something that happened in our church, and it's called Rebuilding Hope. And we go on missionaries and hurricane work, but mostly it was for right there. Mm-hmm. Right in, you know, you go up to somebody's door and knock on the door, and they don't want to talk to you about Christ, but you go up there and fix their door. <laughs> they want to know what's, you know, like, yeah. the least. But this is a group that does it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And different people from different churches and different one church. Yeah, so you get a need and you, you wanna and you wanna go after it. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm just surprised that we don't have something like that in every county. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah George. And then, uh, I had we, we just went to gospel conversations training and with some some of our people we needed to do more. Sure. But uh, that week that we did it, uh, we had a guy break down in our parking lot and uh, you know I went out there because I mean, the trailer was left over the weekend. I went out there when the guy came to pick it up, and I was just picking with him. I said, "Man, I thought I had a new trailer." And I'm sorry he came to pick it up. Like just joking with him, cutting up with him and stuff. And I could tell he was really having a hard time. Yeah. And it had broken down right there at our church, and so he just left it there. And he came yeah. Back. This is Greensboro, and we started talking, you know, and started sharing with him a little bit. And um, I got to find out that he he said, "I said, where are you from?" And he said, "Northern North Carolina." He said, "I went to South Stanley High School." I said. Total coincidence, right? It was just like, this is just really amazing, you know. So, anyway, I got to lead him through like the three circles. He said that he's already saved. He may yeah, be. Sure. But at the same time, you know, I gave him some other material before he left that day and everything, too. But he started crying and he said, I, I know God meant for my trailer to bring down here. So, I mean, he may have already been saved or it may not have been, but it's still a gospel conversation. Yeah, it needed some help. And I just, it was like God was just affirming to me, you know, yeah. this is something that I want to start happening. Amen. More and more through our church. And then another, that same week, there was a uh, young man who was at uh, the back steps of our church. Was, he had a six, he had a 6.30 prayer time on Thursdays. And I saw him out there, and he was working on his iPad. I knew what he was doing. He was using our internet. And so <laughs> I walked out there, and I said, hey, man, can I help you? And he said, no, it's just using your internet. No problem, no problem. I said, I'm the pastor. And I said, I can talk to some. Anyway, uh, I had guys coming in from my Bible study that was about teaching. They just went on upstairs, went up and talked to them, and ended up getting leading into like the three circles. Yeah. Yeah, the guy says he's already saved. Yeah. Probably, I don't know, but he's struggling. Yeah. And so I said, do you have a Bible? His name is Elijah. Okay. I said, do you have a Bible? And he said, he said no, I don't have one. I said, we can yeah. fix that. So yeah. I went back to the church and I came out and gave him a real nice leather Bible and wrote, wrote, his, wrote his name. And I said, do you know the story about Elijah in the Bible? I said, God has, a, God has, I know, a mission for your life. Your name is prophetic. I said, God gave you this name. You need to know about Elijah. So I started telling him about Elijah and all the things about him and how he went up the chariot and all, all that stuff like that. He's just like, bug eye. Yeah. And I showed him where it was in Kings, you know, and he's like reading everything. Josh, I, mean, I wish I could say he prayed that day. Sure, sure, Christ. sure. Anyway, he got arrested. Wow. Our first property later, wow. I didn't know that. And so, our children's director said they got in the car with the police and took them away with the Bible. So, I mean, you know, I don't know the end of the story, but here we go. Yeah. Um, there's a breakout by Jeff Blackburn on Bless Every Home. I gave you this. Uh, he's down in Lumberton, Hyde Park. And uh, they've taken this and ran with it as a church. And you can sign up to pray for your neighbors. It, it, it literally attaches to tax maps and tax records. And you, uh, I get an email every day, five of my neighbors I get to pray for. And um, really? it's going to fall out again. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's great. 
And uh, so we, we just pull the family together. We pray for our neighbors uh, once a day, whoever the email sends. And we got to designate that. But you can, your church can sign up and do that as well. So you can start to track and see where you got lights in the community. Is there other lights in the community? Um, and, and then it allows you to say, have I prayed for these people? Have I cared for them? Have I shared with them? And if they've come to faith, am I discipling them? So it's just a, it's a tracking mechanism for prayer, uh, care, share, and discipling. Uh, so you can use that. You can utilize it. Or, but that's just one of the tools that some, many people across the state are actually utilizing. Um, and uh, it's called Bless Every Home. So that's what this is that you got in your, in your handout as well. There's a lot of ways to build relationships. Work, family, gospeling. Um, so one of the key things I'm just going to say here is uh, this really connects to desire here. And I have a tool I can show you if you're interested called the GAP tool. If you ask people, what's your desire to share the gospel with people? A lot of times they'll say seven, eight, nine. And I'll say, what's your confidence level? It'll be like two. And say, what's the gap? And then we'll just, there's, a, there's like three things primarily. It's either a heart issue, which is repentance is the cure for that. Like, <laughs> that's the repentance. That, that, I ain't got no tools for that. <laughs> that's a heart issue, right? It could be I don't see opportunities. So it's helping people learn to start to see everything we just talked about. What opportunities are before you? Or it could be a training issue. It could be I just don't know how to actually like, share the gospel with someone. And so that's a, I would encourage a tool that can reproduce. And it could be something like three circles or the bridge. I, I particularly train in three circles just because it's conversational. You, you can, I feel like it gives you a better chance to be a human in a conversation instead of a robot. But that's just my experience. If, you, if you're good with the bridge conversationally, if you're good with two kingdoms, three, two, one, whatever, some sort of reproducible tool that you can put in the hands of every person and they, can, they have confidence that they can share the gospel with. But here's the second piece. And this is where I'm... No, Cheryl, you, probably, you guys probably got this overseas a lot better in America. We normally stop with the resource in America. Here's the tool. That's it. What if you trained them on how to use it? Lots of practice and then tasked with a couple of relationships... And you begin to track. How's that going? Next 48 hours, 72 hours. I'm going to pray for that opportunity for you. So you give the tool. You train. You task. And you track. That's accountability. I mean, is it not? And if this is central to it, you ain't got to worry about legalism. Now, that might sound like legalism up front, and I get that, and you've got to work hard to nuance that. Because a lot of humans, I mean, we, we just, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. I want to be make sure I'm right and good with God. No. No. Please don't preach that. Another book I'm going to give away in just a minute called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, The Path to True Christian Joy. And the author basically takes 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 4 where Paul says, I don't care what you say about me. I don't even care what I say about me. What matters most is what God says about me. That's the liberty that you, the, of identity, of being rooted in Him, that liberates us to be someone who gives our lives away. Uh, You're talking about what the be versus what the do. Yeah. Let the be inform the do. <laughs> Instead of letting the do try to make the be. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. <clears throat>
Um, so there's a lot of churches that are doing a lot of good training. One church basically has just said, we're going to train in three circles in personal testimony every chance we get. So if somebody asks for toilet paper in the children's ministry, they're like, that's awesome. Can you share your, your testimony with me? Can you share the gospel with me? Okay, now how many rolls of toilet paper you need? I mean, just everywhere. Children's workers sign up to serve in the children's service. That's great. Can you share your testimony with me? Can you share three circles with me? Small groups get together. Man, that's awesome. Hey, somebody share their testimony tonight. Sunday school, get together. Hey, can somebody stand up and share the, uh, share the gospel with the class right now? Or, hey, why don't you share, stand up and share the gospel right now? This is great. Just every layer is just in the DNA. That's just what they're, they just said. We, we've, got to, we've got to push back the tide of complacency. And so we're raising the level of training and accountability at every level. Disciple and the fruit, where we see. Um, there's a guy here in Greensboro and uh, a guy in Hickory as well. They've both, they've both started instituting uh, Robbie Gallaty's D groups, discipleship groups. And in those places, uh, D groups, discipleship groups, uh, groups to three to four gender specific. Y'all doing that as well? Yeah. And, and it really provides a space for accountability, uh, growing in doctrine, relationship with one another, but also accountability to the mission, holiness. Um, in those ways, it, 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 um, like I said, groups of three to four gender specific with a target, you know, that there's, there's a desire to multiply that as well. Gathering, uh, there's all, I mean, gatherings all over the place. The, the, the things that I've seen really effective in gathering is when the vision's clear and you can tangibly see it. So Jeff and those guys down at Hyde Park, they've got a wall when you walk in of their city and they've got the lights from Bless Every Home on that wall. So their church sees where they're at. They see where they're at. And they've got some, some ways to kind of um, keep the vision in front of the church. So they use the gathering at, at every space, whether Sunday school or small group or in the gathering, to keep the mission in the front, the forefront. Because what's our, what's our default always? Internal. Internal is always the default. And again, church health is a good thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it has to always be out. Because if you're always out and you never focus in, that can get really dangerous. Yeah. No, this is this is so important. I, I always joke that I'm gonna do a PhD one day called Mission is Counseling. And how mission oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes will start to melt counseling issues because it's idle hands. Thessalonians, if, you, if you're idle, you don't eat. It won't, it, I mean, that ain't going to cure every issue by any means. Because mission is counseling. And then multiplying leaders in work. Um, there's a couple of churches I know that have created pipelines to help develop leaders, whether it be leaders uh, for things within the church, develop pipelines for uh, raising up pastors to go into church revitalization situations. Cody, that's exactly what Cody came out of Open Door uh, in Raleigh there, and they are revitalizing. That Covenant Hope is a revitalization project up in that area. Um, They had a pipeline that he got to work through, and now he's landed in a church to help revitalize. It It could also spit you out into church planning. But there's some folks who are also started a pipeline to, to, to develop the more apostolic missionary folk. Because we're the weird folk that we normally get sent overseas, or we're the kind of the sandpaper in the room a lot of times in traditional churches. But what if you just like affirm the gifts 
and figured out how we can work together for the sake of the mission. These, these intentional pipelines um, designed for that. There's a church in Boone called Perkinsville that's doing that. Uh, a buddy of mine, Justin White, is doing that in Raleigh as well. And, and they're particularly for missionary, I mean, it's missionary development. There was, a, there was an IMB missionary that came over to Raleigh a couple of years ago. He was on furlough. And he said, Josh, if I could have one dream, it would be that churches would stop sending people over who don't know how to do ministry. And he was talking about this. He said, they've got to learn language and they've got to learn culture already. They don't need to learn how to do this. They should be doing this already. And that was a nail in the coffin for me. You know? Like, what's, why is it so different here? Um, and so those are just some examples across the state of what's going on. And I would love, if you have a question about any of those, I would love to connect you with some of those stories and some of those people because they, they've kind of said, we want to give it all away too. We're learning. We need conversation partners. <laughs> Nobody's got this thing cornered or figured out. But what's been cool is this has provided a piece of unity for us. The mission, if you look at Acts, what's the two primary things that unify the church? Prayer and mission. Prayer and mission. And of course, doctrine as well. But that's what you see in the letters a lot of times coming and making sure you're cleaning up, cleaning up the mess that mission creates a lot of times. If you, try to, if you try to fix the mess on the front end, a lot of times you don't get to the mission. And that's really different in America than what I just said. So let me stop there. Let me collect your cards. Fire away questions. How can I, how can I serve you? Is there a tool or a concept you want to you explore? I know we got about five minutes. And I'm going to pull these cards up and draw some books. But what questions, anything you want to share... These are this book drawing right here. Book drawing time. There you go. Any questions? Any thoughts? There uh, and everything we talked about today. There's tools to tools that we can help train in, or I can point you to some people across the state that can help in these things. You're probably already doing a lot of this in some capacity, so don't don't hear me say that uh, is not happening at all. Um. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Steve. Um, yep, there you go. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. Any more? Any more cards? There you go. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. Yes, sir. Historically, with our program approach to the church, we had silos, the lead program doing its own thing. Yeah. And so I'm asking how is what you're doing connected with the church revitalization people? Yeah. How, how are you connected? Yeah. So Sandy and I talk a good bit about this. This is where form and function have to be really clear. What are the principles and the function of the, lo- of the local church? And then... In revitalization, are there aspects, like if you were to double-click that and get into the gathering, you know, there might be some pieces there that he's going to primarily work on. That's going to include, you know, that's going to have to drive to these other things. But it might be a little more specific to this double-click right here. Uh, Lee Childs has been meeting with about three of our pastors, and they, he begins with discipling the pastor. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. 
to, to for the pastor to realize what needs to happen in his church in order for his church to transition to becoming a disciple-making church, which includes all of that. Yep. Yeah. So again, these things aren't necessarily linear. In Acts, a lot of times they are. But we've got 2,000 years of church history we're messing with, too, which makes things a little confusing sometimes. But you're exactly right. He's sometimes working backwards here or working forwards or grabbing these at the same time that's going to include these things. And so the principles are all still there. It's just a matter of um, getting in and helping root out what some of the issues are to try to start moving forward. So it's, it's definitely in the same ballpark, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And we try to, he tries to point people to us. We try to point people to him. Um, yeah. Because there's some things he gets in with deacon conflict and all that kind of stuff that, yeah, I mean, it just happens, you know, and it just happens. I'm trying to stay at this level uh, in, the, in the work that we're trying to help do. Yes, sir. Are there some things you're doing at your church at North Wake Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is we're we're retooling everything right now. We've historically at Northway, this is where context is crucial. We've been pretty good at helping plant churches around uh, America. We've uh, and then we've also been pretty good at sending mission. We got forty units on the field right now. We're terrible at local mission. I mean, we're almost non-existent, honestly, and that's a problem. Uh, we got so we said this year, twenty twenty. What can we do? So we're, we're, we're taking five, the local mission in five key parts, and we're saying, look, how do we do our follow-up with these principles involved? So we get maybe seven to ten visitors a week. We don't get a ton, but how do we do our follow-up more intentionally than just sending an email and a letter? We can go meet them in person and with these principles in mind. And here's what I mean by that, George. Uh, we had a couple that come who, who, who don't speak a lot of good English. The last thing we need to do is start to uh, say, man, the first thing you need is just come to a service that you can't really understand what, what, what pastor's saying. They have a network of people all around them, uh, Egyptians. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, with this in mind, he said, well, man, is there any way that we can begin meeting? And this is George Robinson uh, built this relationship with God. And God goes, yeah, why don't you come over to my house? I'll gather a bunch of my friends and we'll start talking. And uh, I'd love to hear your story and how you got to be where you so if you're thinking like this, you, you can maneuver all of those things with just that. Fo- that was just a follow-up, you know. So how do you become more intentional with follow-up? Um, the second piece is community needs. What are, what's a community need in, in Wake Forest that perhaps we can leverage our gifts toward? Um, the second one is, so that's gospel and works. So I want to I be consistent here. That's gospel and works, what I'm talking about, community needs. Uh, gospel, uh, or excuse me, community events. What are some things that happen in the normal rhythms of Wake Forest that all the you know, uh, residents participate in? Concerts, things like that. That's building relationships. Because there's a lot of people that can get really into it. We, we have a homeschool history in our church DNA, and it's pretty isolated. Uh, there's still remnants of that isolation. And so we've got to try to help them learn how to build relationships. Plus, we have some seminary students who have zero spheres of influence. They move from all their spheres of influence to this town, so we've got to help equip them to learn how to build relationships. So community events is one of the primary ways we're going to do that. The fourth one is the strike team. That's the kind of crazy apostolically gifted people who want to just go bang on every doorway, every door in a a neighborhood, and just start going hard looking for persons of peace. A little mystical, and uh, I love them. Uh, they're, the, they're, they're, the, they're the real backbone of this, and we call them the strike team. There's probably 15 of them. Uh, the guy named Mike Shipman, uh, he's, he's going to help with that as well. 
Um, but that's, that's just what they do, man. They just go and they search out persons of peace and then they just start investing with these principles in mind. They don't really need a roadmap, you know. <laughs> they just need a blessing. <laughs> and uh, the fifth one is where I'm going to help out primarily is helping people learn how to work spheres of influence. So if you've got uh, spheres of influence, so people you work with, how do you start? You know, you know that game Donkey Kong where you climb up the vines? I try to help people. How do, you, how, do, how do you coach people to start climbing up relational vines so that you go deeper in a particular sphere of influence instead of always going broader? Does that make sense? And so instead of me getting to 37 new relationships every year, it's like how do I go deeper with two or three in their relationships and then working the gospel, putting it on their backs and running it up those lines? That's where I'm going to help primarily at our local church. Um, so those are the, just, that's us, just the five ways we're trying to live this out. There's other ways where we're trying to direct this with church planning and church revitalization and things like that. That's not necessarily the team I'm on, so I can't give you all the details on that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be your pipeline stuff. And um, so with the direction of if, if it, what's your local mission? Is it an area? Is it helping other churches? And, I mean, I, I was down in Robinson County. Their association is, has 14 churches without pastors. I could see where some of those churches in that area could really help do some leadership pipelining and really help land and partner with those churches. Now, that's an ideal world, right? <laughs> but, I mean, so that's a, that's a way, like, how do we partner together? If our target is this region, is this people group, or whatever the target of mission is that God's put on your heart, how, what are you developing leaders for? And it could be to go into local churches that need pastors. It could be developing leaders to support what's going on in the church. It could be to go overseas. I, I don't know what you're developing leaders for, but that's, if this is the core missionary task, and you kind of look at that, this becomes the lens you look at, then uh, starting to put some processes in place. And we're trying, we're trying to do that as well. We've got, a, we've got a pastoral residency and a missionary residency that we've really got to like renovate we got to pull the guts out keep the structure and renovate the guts that's kind of that's kind of where i'm not on those teams though um we got well the, the other book i was going to give is a uh, it's the uh, master plan of evangelism but it's in spanish any spanish speakers anybody got a spanish-speaking friend that loves to make disciples or needs some help with that okay you got you do? okay there you go brother you can, you can be a blessing to him or her. <laughs> My kids are actually in the Spanish immersion program at school. Yeah. And so I know none, but they're, they're actually, so we serve, we serve in some local places in the community. Yeah. And they're able to translate. Yeah, that's awesome. For me. And so, um, you know, don't, you might have a guy, but you might also have a kid that can do it too. Yeah, that's great. Um, and they want to do it. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Listen, my name's Josh at the state. Um, please connect if we can help in any way. If I can connect you with anybody in your area, this is primarily what I'm trying to help uh, organize around the state. I don't say, I feel like my job is pack the snowball and roll it down the hill. You know? <laughs> and so, where we can help train or help connect other people to one another, that's really. Thank y'all.